This is The Topic is Trek, episode 139 for Friday, June 16th, 2023. Coming up in this episode, and the Emmy goes to... It's okay to eject the warp core shacks. We have plenty of them. And it is still very cold in space. All that and more right now on The Topic is Trek. Strange Moo Worlds. Welcome to The Topic is Trek, the podcast that runs on impulse power. Join us for a journey where no show has gone before. If it has to do with Star Trek, there's a good chance we'll talk about it sooner or later, because on this show, the topic is Trek. Engage already. Well, hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to another thrill-packed episode of The Topic is Trek. I'm Clinton, one of your co-hosts, and of course, to be a co-host, you have to have other hosts. But we've got a slight change up here. So first, beaming in to join me, as always, is Mr. Chuck Tomasi. Hey, everybody. Good to be here. Well, it's great to have you here with us. But we have a surprise because this week, Craig Step is on a special assignment. So we're happy to beam in longtime friend of the show, Gary Lindros, with his hip new catchphrase that all the kids will be talking about. Hey, guys, thanks for having me. I don't really have my catchphrase yet. I'm workshopping it. I'm thinking about, hey, let's try that airlock door. Ooh, well, that's a certainly a way to go. Uh, I've got to admit that. Uh, no, I never missed Craig Moore. <laughs> <laughs> I I kind of miss his bad puns. <laughs> Gary, the bar wasn't that high. <laughs> oh. As that's... a friend of mine once said, set the bar low and jump over it. So. There you go. I, I never thought Craig, you know, had a precedent set, but yeah, I guess he does. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd like to say, first of all, to uh, everyone here, a happy Captain Picard Day, because the day this episode comes out is Captain Picard Day. Make it so, number one. I love that picture of Wrecker with the doll. I also have to, if you're not watching the video stream, I invite you to go over to our YouTube channel. The title of the show is Strange Moo Worlds, and Clinton had a graphic up there. The first thing you notice is purple cows. But the more you look at that picture, the more it starts to jump out at you. There's Vasquez rocks in the background. that It's like, oh, yeah, it is. And then you realize they have red eyes and antenna. <laughs> like you know, those cheesy little 1950s marching antennas. Yep. <laughs> so those, those were indeed strange moves. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Who, did you come up with that? I did. I did. Strange doesn't have a lot of words that kind of, you know, work. So I had to like... Let's go to let's move on to some other words in that title. Uh, speaking of interesting things, uh, Picard Day is on uh, June 16th. On June 9th, I hope you all join me 
in the theaters to go see the new Star Trek. Oh, never mind. If you recall, uh, this was the first date, June 9th. 2023 that was given for the premiere of the new Star Trek movie long ago when there was still going to be a new Star Trek movie coming to theaters. Eventually they moved it to December, but it was supposed to originally be out on June 9th, 2023. That, uh, no, didn't happen. I don't have a sad trombone, but I do have this. <laughs> Ralph, Ralph that says, um, says it all. He thinks they're Andorian cows, but Andorians would be blue cows. What would the purple cows be? Uh, isn't that a, kind of a cheese? No, it's a laughing cow. Well, that's not that's not what that is either. Well, all the silliness doesn't preclude the fact that we have to get to uh, business at hand. And of course, the first part of the business at hand is to check with Charlie to make sure that it's okay to start up subspace chatter. So, Charlie, is it okay? You don't need all that subspace chatter. Absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much, Charlie. Your consistency is amazing. He charms us with that smile in his blue eyes every time and then yanks the rug out from under us. <laughs> he, he's the kind of guy that will paint that, you know, that fake tunnel on the, on the solid brick wall. And then, the, yeah, the, the yellow stripe that leads into yeah. it. <laughs> All right. Well, Chuck, you have our first story from Subspace Chatter because we're going ahead anyway. All righty. I need a button here. Now I'm dialed in. Here we go. The third season of Star Trek Picard has been getting some Emmy buzz, with Patrick Stewart being mentioned as a possible contender for Best Actor in a Drama Series. That was terrible. I don't know what it was supposed to be. I don't know who was that was supposed to be. Is that like Lon Chaney or something? Arnold Schwarzenegger, maybe. <laughs> the Hollywood Reporter ranks Stewart as a major threat to the frontrunners. Some of the other actors from Picard are also being noticed. Although, like Stewart, they are considered long shots. There has been some buzz around Amanda Plummer, who played Vatic, for Best Supporting Actress, and Michelle Forbes, of course, who plays Rolarin, for Best Guest Actress. Critics have been calling the third season of Picard the best season of the series. I would tend to agree. In a piece comparing the series finales of Picard and Emmy favorite Succession, Joshua Patton of website CBR wrote that none of Succession's characters are good people is something that the show prides itself on. Picard's final season executes a more difficult task by telling a story about how each character is worthy. Optimism, compassion, and a commitment to hope are much harder things to sell in a drama than gross villains learning nothing. CBS Studios and Paramount Plus have been running a major for your consider for your consideration campaign around Picard, highlighting both the actors and the behind the camera technical achievements of the season. The 2023 Emmy voting is currently underway. The nominees will be announced on July 12th. Creative Arts Emmys will be presented on September 9th and 10th, and the main Emmy Awards ceremony will be on September 18th. So I don't know what you think the the chances are. There's there's actually a um, I don't know if it's a site or it's probably a website, but they it's kind of like they're I wouldn't say they're giving odds, but close enough to it about who is going to be in the running for nominations. Mm -hmm. Do you do you view any of the performances in Picard to be something that you would consider to be Emmy worthy? 
nothing that jumps out at me. Obviously, you know, Patrick Stewart is a very fine. All of them are fine actors. Uh, and I, I don't have any comparison because I've not seen Succession. I've heard good things about it. I'd like to see it, but I just haven't gotten to it yet. So I, I don't know. There's, you know, the, what did Michelle Forbes do to warrant the best guest? And, you know, Vatic, I can see. You know, that was, that was a uh, particularly difficult yet intriguing part to play. Yeah, so I I'd be behind it, that one. Yeah, because I think it was a an interesting level of scenery chewing that um, kind of took a different slant from your normal villain. Yeah, and made it an intriguing an intriguing character to watch. And kind of when she wasn't around for an episode or so, you went, "Hey, where, where's where's Vatic?" You know. Yeah, she 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 played the you know the villain well. One minute she's laughing in the face of danger because she thinks that everything's on her side. The next she's got to report to the head honcho and, you know, do it or get fired <laughs> or fired out the torpedo tube. So there was there was a lot to that character and, and again, very challenging from an acting standpoint. Uh, I don't know that anything else would... Uh, you, know, you could say... Uh, you know, Jack Crusher was also another interesting one. He had a he had a pretty broad range of acting to play too. Now he obviously wasn't on this list, or maybe he was and just wasn't in the article. But I would say, you know, Jack had to navigate some some crazy waters too. Hmm. Any thoughts uh, on it, Gary? Yeah, I would have suggested uh, Shaw as well. It's it's hard oh, to come into right, mm, right. Mm -hmm. It's hard to just come into an ensemble piece like this and be the new guy and have to not only carry your character, but, you know, boss around Picard and, you know, and really swing your weight against the rest of this crew. I, I thought he did a great job. Yes. Definitely very memorable. And, you know, he created a good character, which is what an actor is supposed to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry. They killed him off because he was becoming such yeah. a character. You could love not just, you know, he started out as, you know, the big jerk. And it was like, what the heck is wrong with this guy? Oh, and yeah. then you well, find out what's yeah. wrong with him, and then you get behind him going, Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, when he went through the whole you know, wolf wolf explanation of why he didn't like Picard. Right. That was hard, hard No, good call. Him. Good call. Yeah. Well, we will see because the uh, you know, it won't be long until we see who the nominees are in the categories. All right, now it was only a few weeks ago that the video game Star Trek Resurgence was released to generally favorable reviews. I was going to give a review myself on it this episode, but I haven't gotten far enough into it yet uh, to justify giving a review, so we'll save that for another episode. But now another game maker, Nimble Giant Entertainment, has announced another Trek game, Star Trek Infinite. At the moment, we don't know much about this one, except that what's in the trailer. So let's, uh, let's take a look at that uh, or kind of delve into that one. It starts off with the sound of an unnamed captain making their latest log entry for star date 43152.4 stating that the fleet is entering hostile territory. We see a galaxy class starship maneuvering through an asteroid field as the view pans, right? Seven other Starfleet ships come into view. Suddenly the log entry audio becomes garbled and we cut to the close-up of a Borg cube. The fleet is headed directly towards it. Then we back up. We back away 
way out to a galaxy-level view. Here we see the areas controlled by the Klingons, Romulans, and Kardashian empires, as well as the boundaries of Federation space. Lastly, we see images of Romulan commander Tareth, Gul Dukat, Gauron, and Captain Picard, although this game is set in the decades before TNG, which also makes it puzzling to have the Borg in this as well. I guess so. (laughs) Hmm. The game's press release notes players will run an entire fleet within the Star Trek universe and players will command one of four major powers in the galaxy, the United Federation of Planets, Romulan Star Empire, Cardassian Union, or Klingon Empire. Each faction has individual traits, stories, quests, and more to make their play feel distinct. And the game will be available for Windows and Mac PCs. Now, of course, by the time you are hearing or or watching this, if you're not watching us live, you may know more than we do because more information is supposed to drop on Captain Picard Day, which is, as of when we're recording, tomorrow. So you're much smarter than we are when it comes to the subject. That's not, again, very low bar on this show. I know, yeah. I know. But, it, you know, <laughs> it, it's it's still, it's true. Uh, I'm intrigued by this one. It's being uh, distributed through um, Paradox Interactive. And they're kind of the parent company. I play one of the games that's available through uh, Paradox, which is City Skylines. And that has a very big and very interactive community and the community interacts very well with the actual game producers. And I'm hoping that that level, which seems to be in a lot of the games that Paradox works with, that sort of thing carries through in a lot of the different games. So hopefully this is something because you're, I I see that this will probably keep having more content added as time goes on, hopefully. And I, I think feedback from, the fans, the players of the game is always good to get and tweak things as you go. My, you had me at that first paragraph when you said the unnamed captain making their latest log entry. And all you, if all you hear is the voice, my imagination went something like this. Captain log 38431524. The fleet has um, also entered hostile territory. Again. <laughs> So the first officer's a squirrel. I get it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've got, uh, let's see. Uh, so Crazy Joe says, I always assumed that after the events of Regeneration, which was an enterprise, that certain high-level individuals in Starfleet knew about the Borg before Picard made first contact, hence the Hansons knowing. Right. Uh, um, oh, that continues on the next one. Um, about them prior to q Yeah, I was thinking the same thing that, we had that thing where the, the Hansons were going out essentially seeking the Borg. Right. And that was, that would have been before Q who uh, still it, it was very interesting because it's decades before. And yet you have a galaxy class starship. Now I know there, there were probably galaxy class starships before the enterprise, but decades before that, that's, that's interesting. I don't know. All right, let's move on to our next story. You're up, Gary. Yes, and if you don't get enough uh, Star Trek in your everyday life, Paramount Plus has you in mind. Paramount Plus has released a new YouTube video for everyone out there who just can't hear enough Warp Core, D, Warp, Warp Core from Enterprise D ambient sound. 
Seemingly designed specifically for Ensign's Rutherford and Tendi, this three-hour-long <laughs> video features a looping image of the antimatter reactor chamber paired with heartbeat-like rhythms of the pulsing core, plus some control chirps thrown in just for good measure. Now, this thing isn't a new idea. We here at the topic is Trek have been geeking out at these warp core ambience videos for years. In fact, when you go to the show notes for episode 139, Strange Moo Worlds, over at the topic is Trek. Wait for it. <laughs> You'll find links to our four similar videos ranging in length from two and a half minutes to over 12 hours and not a warp core breach in sight. So uh, be sure to check them out. It's really nice listening while you're doing work or something in the background sometimes. I, I, I have the 12 hour one and I extracted the audio and I put it on my device, my mobile device, and I use it to sleep at night. But it's not the Enterprise. No, it doesn't have that thrum, thrum, thrum sound. It, well, in fact, you can hear of, little artifacts in the background. So it right. Each one of these videos that I link to is that I think I specifically found ones that they all sampled or created different versions of that sound. So if you don't like that one, there might be another one in there. That's what I'm going to say. If if I can find you know this three hour one and it's good. I'll make a new 12 hour one out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I like having that on my device. Cause I may be, you know, in an airplane or something, which is rather ironic because the sound of a, of a jet going through the air sounds very similar to what I've recorded. So I'm putting headphones on to drown out, to play sound. That sounds like the sound I'm drowning out. It's, it's really weird. Yeah. I'll use it for white noise when I travel. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. So we've got, We've got every something for everyone in that category. All right. And in Vulcan, Alberta, Canada news. Did something happen? Well, you know, in some episodes of The Topic is Trek, the fact that the Alberta government is providing a $90,000 Canadian grant to the Vulcan airport. That's for a $30 U.S. Project uh, would be our lead Vulcan story. Or... The fact that the town is in talks with Wyndham Hotels about building a small-scale hotel in town, well, that might get our attention. Even the Vulcan Municipal Library winning an award for the innovative idea of adding a student representative position to get the perspective of the youths in the areas might have been the thing we talked about. But the big story was that Vulcan Alberta Canada just held the annual Spock Days. Yay! As you undoubtedly recall, last year, because we covered it on our show, Conan did not cover this. We did. Uh, the town uh, held their two summer trek events, Spock Days and Vulcan, on the same weekend. But this year, it's back to normal with Spock Days in June. And that's gone by, but you still have a chance because Vulcan is in July. Uh -huh. Coverage of the event, including a video, just go to the show notes for episode 139, Strange Moo Worlds, over at thetopicistrek.com. Yeah, so the, it was interesting because, as you know, I try to find stories that are local interest when we don't have anything specific to uh, Star Trek going on in Vulcan, Alberta, Canada. And there were three stories there that could have been the, the fill-in for this thing. And nope, nope, got to go with Spock days. So I figured I wanted to at least highlight those other events happening in town. Well, Spread them out. Getting a hotel, I can come visit. There you go. 
Yeah, they they also did a um you you should get some input on this because they they were um you know doing different surveys about rates and things like that that they would be charging for so say like four dollars. I think they should they should charge four dollars for a room. That, they did be... say small scale hotel. Yes, yes. All each room is the size of a shoebox. Mm, it's more of a... how big your shoes are. That could that could mean a whole so, lot. So like an ensign's bunk. I got you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, on the lower decks. Yeah. yeah. It's just going to rip those rooms out of the uh, Galactic Cruiser and just bring them to Vulcan. Oops. Oh, too soon. Too Ooh. soon. Too soon. All right. Well, we covered a lot of stories here, but we have links to an additional 65 stories broken out by series and movies and other categories like comics, DVDs, books, video games, uh, things that cover Star Trek in general. You can find all these links... <laughs> Over at the topic is trek.com in the show notes for episode 139, yeah. Strange Moo Worlds. Just, Just those thinking. links would make a show by themselves. You do a great job posting them. Oh, all. yeah. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, I keep, I keep adding new categories as well. We're really getting up there. But now comes the favorite part of the show. And that's where I get to say goodbye, Charlie. Oh, I thought it was time to say don't put on the red shirt. No, no, I no. want to stay, 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 stay. <sighs> We should put a red shirt on Charlie. That solved the problem. Well, it's kind of an orange shirt that he's got on in this slide we've got up. You know, yeah, I'll, I'll put a Kirk red shirt. Kirk liked it enough. He took one himself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll fix it in post. Don't Actually, worry. Charlie took Kirk's and ran it through the laundry, but didn't put it on color, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> nice good with the laundry, Charlie. Uh, Can't trust you to do anything. And then with the whites? Oh, I can't believe it. All right, now it's time to head out on our main mission with an appropriate sound effect. Oh, let's see what we can find here. This will work. Starbase Alpha, come in, Starbase Alpha. Hmm. All right, we are going to be doing something spoilerific. So last warning that we're doing that. Spoiler Okay, with that now, Chuck is going to give us some information, uh, nuts and bolts, about the episode we're talking about. Nuts and bolts about Season 2, Episode 1, titled Strange New Worlds, The Broken Circle. This was written by series executive producers Henry Alonzo Myers and Akiva Goldsman. Goldsman and Myers served as co-showrunners on Strange New Worlds. Recently, Akiva Goldsmith's latest project, The Crowded Room, a TV miniseries starring Tom Holland and Amanda Seyfried, premiered on Apple+. Plus. Both Goldsman and Myers have extensive experience in producing for television. We love it. This was, of course, directed by Chris Fisher, who served as the co-executive producer on Strange New Worlds. Previously, he served as a producer on t several TV series, including The Magicians, Inhumans, Person of Interest, and one of my personal favorites, Warehouse 13. This is Fisher's second time directing Trek. His first was the Star Trek Strange New World Season 1 finale, A Quality of Mercy. Okay, well, give us a little bit of a short synopsis of the episode, Gary. Oh, okay. The uh, USS Enterprise is undergoing systems checks and upgrades at Starbase 1, and what a Starbase that is. Um, Captain Picard puts Spock in charge of the ship while he's making a trip connected to Number 1's upcoming trial and her legal defense. Naturally, with the Captain gone, things soon get complicated. 
A distress call from Lieutenant Laal Noonien Singh compels Spock to disobey orders and take the USS Enterprise hmm, and its crew into disputed space, risking renewed hostilities with the Klingons in a bid to aid their shipmate. Hmm. All right. Well, we'll get into the, the specifics about the episode in just one minute. But I thought it would be interesting. Uh, I don't have slides from the actual episode because that would be a lot of slides. But I did look very carefully at the opening credits. And as is usually the case with Trek these days, there are differences from last season to this season. Yes. So there were, there were four shots in particular. These four shots that show the Enterprise uh, very close to the ground in in two of them for effect, uh, one on a planet that's kind of going through a, a, a gully, one on a planet that seems to, uh, it, that's an orange looking uh, glow to it and has trees or something uh, extending up from the ground. Uh, there's another shot inside some type of debris field, or I can't tell if, you know, whether that's natural or, or ship parts of that debris. And the last one is, the Enterprise going through what definitely appears to be an asteroid field. However, as we talked about before, uh, when we were looking at those little teaser images of uh, uh, this season for Star Trek, they had the, the artist doing all those different um, pieces that seem to relate to the different episodes. Mm -hmm. This one going through this asteroid field suddenly becomes very, very black and white. So I think we are definitely going to be seeing a black and white episode this season. Captain Proton. Uh, I don't think so, but that would, that would be fun. It would be interesting to, to see that. Now I looked at the shots that, that these are replacing and I couldn't say that they necessarily were directly related to episodes we saw in season one, but it's kind of abstract anyway, because you can make the argument that, <laughs> The shot that shows the planet with the orange glow to it, with the things extending up, that could be from this episode. But you could also make the argument that that debris that the Enterprise is yeah. kind of in could also be from this episode. And I don't think they'd all be from this one. So they're they're kind of very abstract representations of things. Um, and so you can almost like you see what you want to see, or you know you can interpret it the way you want to interpret it. But I, I think that they are definitely meant to hint at. I don't want season. the opening to be a spoiler reel either. So, yeah, that's fine. Right, right. So, definitely, this is not something that just comes out and shows you something verbatim that you're going to be seeing in oh. an episode. I think they've trained us on Picard to look for little hidden hints, little Easter eggs in the intro. Well, also, well, Discovery has done that from the beginning. They would always True. have things in there. Uh, so, yeah, it definitely is a thing. And of course, we can't wait to the new season of Lower Decks to see how many ships are involved in that battle with the Borg. <laughs> Actually, Picard's a lot of them were at the end, weren't they? Hmm. Yeah, well, they were all, for Picard, the, the every episode had references in those credits. Um, sometimes it was big, sometimes it was small, but every single one of them had some reference somewhere. Yeah. But it definitely wasn't a spoiler because until you saw the episode. Right. You didn't know it, it was out of context. Yeah. What does that mean? Even? Yeah. We're just, right. we're just scanning across you know, a, a, a console interface going, yep, that's nice. And then later you go, oh, those were the numbers or, oh, that was the frequency the message came in on. So, okay. 
All right. So let's get to the episode itself. And as we previously stated, the episode begins with the Enterprise at Starbase One, which... What an opening scene. My gosh, that was beautiful. I thought Starbase One was near Earth. Jupiter was like right there. I, I couldn't figure out. Hadn't we previously seen the Starbase at Earth? I, I could be wrong. What do you, do you gentlemen recall differently where Starbase One is located? They had located? to move it because there was a new bypass going through. Oh, that explains You know, well, the, the Vogons sent you the letter. I thought it was in our solar system, but I don't know that it was necessarily always orbiting Earth. Okay. And you look at this one, it have very much had the a much more of a mo- the movie feel to it from the latest movies versus the one, say, from like that we saw in Picard. It, it felt like a very different structure. Right. I think this was confusing me, though, because, um, you know, it starts with the motion picture. It's right around. Well, yeah, it's right around Earth. Uh, well, actually, the that small space dock is right around Earth. I guess I guess this, the actual the large if you had a, ah, a large, are we mixing up space dock with starbase? Yeah. Right, right. So, okay, I, I guess it, it it just struck me as odd, but be that as it may, and it may be that way. Yes, an amazing shot, a very long shot that's circling around. You're, you're following a, a shuttle. Uh, I think around. it was a repair pod because eventually it landed on the hull of the Enterprise and started doing something. Mm-hmm. And then you saw other ones attached, kind of doing their thing. So, and, it, and the soundtrack as they're going through the scene was very nice. It, it was, you know, they harkened back to the original show in some of the tones. It was, it was really well yeah. put together. Right, you get it. You get the Alexander Courage theme when suddenly you see the Enterprise, you know, in its dock. Uh, Picard, uh, yeah, Picard. Have me doing that? I think it was uh, Pike. Pike is giving his uh, captain's log and he says he senses <coughs> tension among the brass on the star base. And he, he, he can't quite pin it down, but, but there's just some tension there. And of course we will come to find out what that tension is about before the episode is done. But quite. he doesn't have time to worry about that because he's talking with Una. <coughs> uh, and of course, uh, remotely. Yeah. Number one over is, zoom is in a, a very uh, nice Area, I, I, I guess she's in a brig someplace, but it's got a nice television set to communicate. There doesn't seem to be any guards around. It's just kind of a very chill uh, place that she is. It's a white collar um, prison. Yeah, uh, well, the officer quarters. Yeah, <laughs> uh, she in, uh, hints and um, Pike hint that there's a certain lawyer that they think could possibly take on this case, but. That lawyer is not returning any of their calls. And Pika says, well, I'm going to go and and go talk to that person. And Una is all. You're wasting your time. You're also got, you're, you're, you're sucking your career down with mine. Don't, you know, don't do it. And of course, uh, Pike is going to be the Boy Scout and he's going to do the right thing. So he heads off to do his thing, but he decides he will give Spock command while he's gone lieutenant spock is yeah. there nobody of higher rank on the ship at this point uh i found well, a lot of see. this stuff very low ranking we have a lot of ensigns on the bridge all yeah. the time yeah i don't i don't know who the um the next senior officer is i mean 
it's it's not Hammer. Um, <laughs> too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Sorry. Too soon. Uh, makes sense that they'd still have somebody of the command crew of the ship in charge when even if there's you know you know commanders and other th- people that are you know doing inspections and stuff like that they, it's not their job to run the ship and spock is very anxious about this assignment that you're leaving it with me uh 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 not so sure about this is that you famous should last words. yeah famous <laughs> last words but we get we we get the answer to what's going on here because it it seems very unspock like to be concerned about this well it turns out that those emotions that he released when he was fighting the gorn dr menga says well now you're having to deal with all those emotions because they're just flowing out of you suddenly uh, yeah deal with it like the rest of us yeah and spock says i'd i'd prefer not to <laughs> so he offers him an alternate method of dealing with his emotions and hands him the classic harp i thought that was a vulcan instrument and maybe it is but where and Benga just has this in his back yeah. closet. He does. That that's my two points. Number one, he just happens to have one here. We don't have replicators the way that we do in the future at this moment. And then number two, damn! But doesn't that just fit so well? Oh, <laughs> I, mean, I love the the morning yeah I, the piece of continuity so well. I well, I love that as mind, a prop. Reminded Benga, um, either he interned or he spent several years on Vulcan. So that could be his. Is he right? loaning he, it to him and never got it back? <laughs> probably. Probably. He, he should have, he should have said, this isn't a gift. You know, maybe that was, maybe he just never got the hang of it. So it was a way to clear out his closet. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know what you need? You need this and this clock and, and an accordion. And that'll release the tension. <laughs> That would be next if it, the harp didn't work. <laughs> I, I I am so ready for the space hippies to come back now. <laughs> no. No. I mean, it's okay if we have, you know, Spock, you know, doing a duet with Uhura. That's fine. But not the space hippies, please. Not the space hippies. Yeah, I know. I saw the interest in uh, Uhura's voice where, is that a, is that music? I was like. <laughs> right. It's like, let's jam. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so this this uh, Vulcan loot works until Chapel enters sick bay, and suddenly the blood pressure goes back up, the heart rate goes back up, and, uh, and Spock excuses himself. Exit on the Spock room. stage right, yeah, yeah. But you know, Mbenga and Chapel, that whole scene. I don't want to talk about it. I know, and you know that this unstated, uh, you know, acknowledgement and you know, sort of pushing to the side because of embarrassment or whatever. It was a really nice. You know, not that there weren't a lot of good moments with those two characters in this episode, oh. but you know that that to me was was a really nice uh, you know interplay between them. But she also gives them some bad news. She says that she's going to apply for an uh, archaeological medical fellowship, which will have her spending two months on Vulcan. So we know I, she's going to be exiting for a little while. Yeah. Uh, well. Or, or it could be between not episodes. She's not going to be. Well, and it could be between episodes. It's like, okay, she's back. And how was your trip? You're sort of like if season two of TNG never happened. Welcome back, Dr. Crusher. Mm, yeah. Well, let's not do that. Let's not do that. Again, <laughs> <shall> we... <laughs> I'm poking all kinds of bees nests tonight. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Meanwhile, on the bridge, Ortegas and Uhura are, are, um, are duking it out with the inspectors. Yeah, you know, the, uh, I I I found 
you can't just walk up to somebody's workstation and go, hey, move. I got to do an upgrade. Like, you know, I've been in IT for a while. You got to have a change process. You have to let people know ahead of time, I'm going to need to do an upgrade at 2 p.m. on this console. Make alternate plans. You don't just walk up and go, oh, I got to shut your thing down for a little while. Well, no, but I see the guy's point. They're they're locked in, you know, in, at Starbase One for a major major upgrade and revision. They're hooked to the station. They can't move it unless the station releases them. It's not like, you know, they're that independent. And yet, who a finds call the comes in. <laughs> it's Uhura because she wouldn't let him take it down without her setting something else up so she could still monitor communications. I half expected Aaron McDonald's voice. Yes. I have expected Aaron McDonald's voice to be going, yo, suck it. Yeah. Uh, I also thought it was interesting that if you can, you know, Ortega said that she, she had flipped some of the commands, uh, some of the, some of the controls because she, they were, they were better. They worked better for her. And I'm thinking if it's configurable, wouldn't it be like everything else on the ship where it's like, okay, I'm now on duty. I call up the Ortega's profile, right. You know, and someone else relieves me, they call up their profile. I don't see the big deal, but the inspector was like, ah, well, I, don't know, I don't like this at all. Well, he probably saw the profile up and made it, made the comment. He's, pro- he's probably the guy that wrote the default profile and likes it best. <laughs> that was my red, not blue. Why'd you change? <laughs> right. <laughs> I specifically use the blimey theme. Use my color scheme first. Well, as we said, Uhura receives what appears to be a distress, distress call from the, Kajitar system, I believe that's how it's yes. pronounced. Close okay. Uh, located at the edge of Klingon space. And it's from Laan. Or so mm-hmm. they think. Or so they'd like right, to they're, believe. Right. So Spock does the right thing. Calls up. reports this. <laughs> the right thing? Okay. He, well, he, he contacts Admiral, uh, uh, Admiral April. April. Is he Admiral? And Commodore. Admiral? What is he at this he, point? Maybe it's Commodore because I'm thinking. Maybe I'm just thinking of the animated series where it was. Uh, it's know. it's it's April. Yeah. I, I thought it was an admiral, but I and April shuts him down. Yeah, too so, risky. Hey, that's nice. She knew the risk when she took it, and she's you know not in Starfleet at the moment. And bye bye. And and Kajitar is kind of co-owned by the Federation and the Klingons, and they alternate on a monthly basis. And guess whose month it is this time? Not ours. What a, what a weird. Thing as well. Yeah, what kind of treaty is that? (laughs) Not like you get this hemisphere and I get that hemisphere. It's like that would that would totally be a logistics nightmare. Oh, we got to move out. You move in. I sure hope there's a separate base because after we saw the cling where the Klingons were, I'd hate to think that in in a few months, then all the Federation people have to come in, clean the whole place up, and then they leave and come back and it's a crap place again. (laughs) I hate these roommates. Yeah, that's the thing is like you spend half your time just cleaning up the mess to get at stuff. You know, they say, well, bodies pile up. Oh, my God. Really? Okay. Well, uh, I'm not cleaning up that mess. Yeah, I'd like to think there's a separate Federation base. At least that's what that's where my head cannon's going. (laughs) So after Spock is turned down, uh, Spock again kind of does the right thing. At this point, he calls senior staff together and he's discussing the situation, kind of getting opinions from people. And Benga says this could be a deception and a trap. Right. Uhura says, well, it was targeted directly to the enterprise. 
Lon would know where the Enterprise was at this time. And our maintenance schedules. That seems like an odd thing to know. Well, it could be a regular maintenance schedule. And if they were on assignment, they might have missed it. But apparently they were where they were scheduled. If you know the maintenance schedules, why do you schedule it when the comm station could be down? (laughs) Because it's Starfleet, this red tape. Well, I suppose it shouldn't be red tape in Starfleet because then the red tape dies. So uh, it's some other color tape in in Starfleet that you've got to go through. Um, So Spock hears all this out and then makes the logical decision from that point. He's going to steal the Enterprise. I think that was a huge leap in the wrong direction. I don't think Spock would do that for one person that is electively off doing their own thing. I, well, I, I I just thought that was uh, when I watched it the second time, I went, that seems like a stretch. I think it's meant to be a stretch because the point that we were getting in the first part of the episode before this happened was that Spock is not really in full control of his feelings. And right now he's feeling like there's a person who was a member of this crew in danger and I've got to go save them. It's the right thing to do. And that's what I'm so he's so you're thinking think that the, the the visit with the doctor with and dealing with emotions. So this was an emotionally driven decision, not oh, yeah. just okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. He, much like Spock said was saying to the doctor, he's not emotionally shouldn't be shouldn't be in charge right now. And <laughs> here's the proof. And yeah, there we go. All right. I thought it would have been a nice side mission for Pike actually on his way to wherever he was going to go to Laon. But yeah, we but we have to have this Spock uh I don't know if development's the right word, but definitely, uh, you know, introspection into his psyche. So, so then it does we have a payoff at the end though. When April says the next time it will be your commission. Why? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. But that's, that's leaping ahead much further than we do in this, this episode. Do I need to play the spoiler alert again? I don't think so. <laughs> it's from 1966. I don't think so. Anyway, this plan goes into effect and uh, Mitchell goes to engineering and simulates a coolant leak to evacuate the crew and the inspectors from the ship. I love the so grin on her face as she's exiting engineering. <laughs> like, but the other <laughs> grin on somebody's face is we get a uh, Commodore uh, 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 commander <laughs> Pelia on board the ship. She's actually the one in charge of this. Oh, I love this character. She did a great job. She just strolls onto the bridge. Like nothing's going on. You've got, you know, these warning signs flashing everywhere. I have expected her to bust onto the bridge going liar. liar. (laughs) I mean, here's my toaster. You know, that character walked onto the bridge because she knew already knew exactly what was going on. Oh yeah. And she's like, Oh, well, I better oh, make actually, sure I know. Let's might as well just go to the bridge. Then. Oh, well, what do you know? Somebody simulated a coolant leak. Are you insinuating that somebody, you know, I'm not insinuating. I'm flat out saying it. <laughs> yes. Because it turns out that this plan to simulate a warp core breach was attempted being pulled on, Someone who teaches a class at the academy in warp core breaches. He taught a class. So I think Spock she, said, I, 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 I gotta didn't go, know that. I got to go back and listen to the exact words on that first interaction. Did she say, I have a class? Like, 
it was hers, but not necessarily. Yeah, she tied it. She tied I it. Teach she, a class. She, she, yeah, did, she was speaking in the present tense, but later she goes back and says, I taught a class. I think she's already decided she's not leaving the ship. And so she's already changed her. Ah, okay. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Good one. It's, it's, it's quite clear as soon as she starts talking that her entire end game has been planned out before she walked onto the bridge. Ah, leverage. I know exactly what's going on here. Uh, we also find out that she knows Spock's mother to Spock's surprise. And she offers to help with this plan. So she should suggest that Ortega's vent ionized plasma. You're going to do it. Do it right. Uh, Carol Kane played this character so well. I just absolutely love her in this role. And it's great. She says, can you, can you uh, vent ionized plasma from the warp nacelles? And Ortegas goes, well, I can, but <laughs> should I? Should I? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you can't help but make comparisons between her and Pulaski as we have a major second season character introduced. Mm-hmm. And I feel they're making an effort to make her much more likable. <laughs> and um, I wonder if that's intentional or not. It's hard to make Carol Kane unlikable. So, yeah. you know. <laughs> oh no, I know that, but I'm saying that to choose a character that's less abrasive, there had to be some thought in their heads, uh, you know, as a, when the comparisons would come up. Well, it's also it's also an, um, you want something that's almost a 180 from uh, your previous chief engineer, and certainly we're going from very subtle and very philosophical to very broad and. You know, just you know, coming out and saying things. All right, so this plan works, and the Enterprise is ordered to get away from the space station. They, they, they. Well, just as the, she's uh, exiting the bridge, though, Uhura oh, that's says, right. "Oh, the accent. You're Lanthian. Guilty as charged." So they've identified her species, which because there's an interaction in there where she says, "I haven't you know, been in an engine room in a hundred years." And Ortega goes, a hundred years? It's a long story. A very long story. Like, whoa, we just opened up a Pandora's box of future hooks in this show. And And just a side note, that race was never referenced before that I'm aware of. I don't think so. No, but we find out at the end of the episode that- They've been among us. They've been on Earth- For a very long time, but only in the 22nd century did they reveal themselves. Gary Seven? No. Anyway. <laughs> yes, it's a lanth- lanthanite. Yes. Lanthanite. Uh, that's what it was. Lanthanite. Yes. I think I have um, a countertop made of that stuff. <laughs> it's very shiny. I understand. So they're ready to go. They're going to not, they're obviously going to disregard any call back to um, the, the, the dock and Ortega says, well, okay, you got to say your thing before we go. What's my thing? We've seen, we've seen this clip in the trailer. So we know what's coming up. We get to find out some other captains um, saying, apparently Mitchell's former captain used to say zoom. That's, that's not right. (laughs) And I love the way Horace says, you know, Pike says, hit it. Just cocks your head to the side, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah." (laughs) And Spock asks, "Well, you know, Ortegas, what is yours?" Well, I'm I'm workshopping a couple, including Vaminos. (laughs) I kind of like that one. That was good. But Spock grips the arms of the captain's chair and exclaims, "I would like the ship to go now." So it's his word now. 
I, I, I guess. No, it's the whole phrase. That's the, the way phrase? I came. And and Uhura just kind of smiles and goes, "We gotta work on that." <laughs> Isn't that cute? <laughs> so meanwhile, on on Kajitara four. La'an is engaged in a, in, in a drinking game with a Klingon. Well, hang on, course, hang on, hang on. There was an interesting scene when they were yes. pulling away from Space Dock or Starbase. Okay. They they pulled away and then they inverted. So this was the first of two key inversion shots that I noticed. Like, yes. that's unusual. Usually they just, you know, sort of turn and go whoosh, almost like a speedboat. But they were purposely you know, doing a 180 around... The hull. Well, did, so, I don't. I don't. Did the ship turn or did the camera view? Go no, it underneath? turned. It turned. It no, was both. Both did, and you know, it made sense space wise because it got the exactly. ship away from the, the space station as quick as possible. If you were right. going to explode, and, and if you've but got gravity plating in the hull, it really doesn't matter which way your ship is oriented in space. Yeah. You know, despite ships always seeming to go nose to nose instead of you know at cockeyed <laughs> perpendicular weird angles. Right. And that, that type of, we don't normally see that. The only place we really have seen that previously was in the, uh, the Kelvin timeline. They would have shots where the, you'd have odd orientations of the ships, the camera views of the ships. And it wasn't always just on that horizontal plane. Right. So I'm definitely in favor of that type of, of thing. Uh, what did you think of the drinking game? Did you think that Luan was going to lose to the Klingon? No. Yeah, what would be that, the point? I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> no, but it re- makes me think that maybe blood wine isn't as strong as we think it is. If they're drinking it by the barrel, <laughs> it's only yeah, it's I, only four percent ABV. But the, but the cups, the cups they were drinking out of, are the same cups. At least I recognize them from Deep Space Nine that they used for blood wine too. Ah, it's ceremonial. No, I know yeah. they they normally a lot of normally <laughs> making things. <laughs> <laughs> the most common ones that I recall correct. are the ones that are almost shaped like um, the nuclear power plant cooling towers, you know, with that kind of curvature in the slender waist, but they've got sort of a, a ribbing on them horizontally. No handle. These had yeah. a handle, but also a flare, a flange on the rim that was sort of wavery that seemed like it was just conducive to dribbling. Which, yeah, but I've been, I've been, I'm in the middle of a Deep Space Nine rewatch, so I've been seeing the couple bunch of times as I hit the late season. So I was like, oh, hey, I recognize that. Well, I'm, so sure, you, I'm sure the, 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 the edge of the cup is probably all battered because they just like smashing them into each other and into their own heads. And all those, those cups take a beating. How about the look of the Klingons? That, you know, that, that was yeah. uh, slightly different than what we've seen. Yep. So we so kind of have was, a was nice. They're pulling back to, I guess, would we call it the TNG standard versus uh, similar, very similar. Right? Yeah. Their bumps were very, they were smoother. Uh, right. than than some Klingons we've, we've seen after that. And I'm not just talking about just discovery. They, it, it almost, it almost seemed like it could be a logical way to come back from the virus. Kind of, they just seemed a little, some of them seemed a little smoother than others. Like you kind of had a mix in there. We had a good diversity. Us. Right. And, and, and I think that's only natural. I mean, when you look at humans, we have different shape noses. We have different shape foreheads. We have different. Well, I was just thinking how different than discovery it was. Yeah. Yeah. Given that if this is all supposed to be the same timeline, it was interesting to have that. Oh, change. you're right. 
So maybe they're just ignoring it, which I'm fine with. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I was, I, but but given that this is supposed, they tell us that this is the prime timeline. Yep. The fact that the Klingons looked like that was caught pleasantly caught me off guard. But uh, well, it's, it 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 is a bit still a bit confusing because depending on how you look at it, well, but they don't look like TOS Klingons either. Yeah. So, you know, I don't, that I, don't I can get away a, with. Yeah. Cause I don't think they were in a winning situation to try to go back to that because clearly the Klingons no. changed even for Star Trek, the motion picture to that being the look of the Klingon. So you, you have to buy into that. That's the high definition version of a Klingon. This has, you know, that kind of look to them. Okay. So we have a drinking game. Lon right, wins. So that, that's Somebody else sits with. down and offers money. They say, I, I don't want your money. You know what I want. She wants a meeting with uh, Graymax. And what's all that about? Well, we've got to, we're going to find out pretty darn soon. But because... she catches the eye of Mbenga, who does this little gesture with his finger yeah, under his well, eyelid. If you done this, I think it would have been in a sting. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> And so Lon gives a briefing to every everybody in the landing party, uh, says that she had come to this planet because Oriana, the, the little girl she was trying to find the parents for uh, of, they were on this planet. And so they were reunited, which was a good thing. However, we then get the backstory about the planet itself, that it once was a distribution point for dilithium, apparently for everybody i don't they didn't really make it super clear how it worked in the pre-war times but it seemed like it was just someplace you would go like a store like everyone just went there to get their that lithium come on down to right next no what was the name of the (laughs) the name of the planet oh you gotta make me look that up again aren't you uh Kajitar. Come on down to Kajitar 4 we got the lowest prices on dilithium we got it finished. We got it unfinished. We got it. <laughs> so during the war, you had this like no man's land. Everybody was out for themselves, just mining the stuff. And you had, I guess, rogue Klingons and rogue Starfleet people profiting off of what was going on here. And then, unfortunately, peace broke out. And I hate it when that the, happens. The people that were making all the money on both sides off of this or whatever, you know, Starfleet, what does Starfleet need with money? Other cultures. Well, when they, when they said there are certain parties that were interested more in profit, my mind immediately went to the Ferengi. No, they, they specifically called out that it was Klingons and Starfleet. Yeah. 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 The first time I heard someone wants profit. (laughs) Yeah. The, the, the Ferengi missed out on this one. So their plan is to restart the war and they're looking for all sorts of Federation tech to do it with, which is what Lon is trying to set up this meeting because she's got some things she's going to try to trade and get some more information about, well, what exactly, how is this going to be pulled off? What are you going to plan to be doing? So she's working that angle with it. But we also found out that a couple of days ago, there had been an explosion in the dilithium mines. And then suddenly lots of people had ion poisoning. Which is indicative and, of photon torpedoes. Right, because Mbenga says, well, that's not something that would come from dilithium, but a photon torpedo would certainly <laughs> set that off. So they go off to try to help um, in that situation by by helping Oriana's uh, parents get over their sickness. While you have uh, 
Spock, and Ensign Uhura, much to the long surprise, going off with her for this meeting to take place. So which which adventure do you want to talk about first when they split up? Um, uh, we'll do Lanz. Yeah. Okay. So uh, she goes to, to a meeting in this kind of junky area of, of the, of course, it's all junky. The mess of the place. Yeah. <laughs> this is the really rundown part. <laughs> so uh, Spock and Uhura are hiding off in the distance. And as the Klingons are approaching Lan, they're talking in a dialect that is not normal Klingon. And Uhura recognizes that. And she's using the translator and trying to dial in on that and figure out what they're saying. Lan goes to make the uh, trade and she's trying to get information out of Gray Max. And he's not really budging too much. He just says he wants more of this tech and he wants it as, you know, as fast as possible and as much as possible. And, and she pulls the, now she pulls the trick that, you know, apparently they didn't learn anything from, you know, well, it would be afterwards, but uh, Picard's um, uh, Jack Picard, uh, Jack Crusher pulled that same bit with the fake explosion mm-hmm. thing on the bridge at the end of uh, season three of Picard. It's so an she antimatter detonator. Antimatter detonator. Then, of course, it's just a flashing light. Um, That's also but, could also duplicate the 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 internet mm, <laughs> from the IT crowd. You have to have a box associated with that, though. Um, Horace says that when the Klingons were speaking in this dialect, they said, whatever's going to happen is going to be happening tomorrow. And that's what they know at this point. They want to go back to the ship and confer with Benga and Chapel to find out what they found out. But they can't find them. And Chief J, who we're now seeing for the first time, what happened to Kyle, we don't know, but suddenly we've got a new person in the transporter room says, I lost their signal. Well, what had happened to them is they did indeed go and they were able to uh, give an injection to one of uh, Oriana's parents that was going to get her back on her feet in about a day or so. But then they were intercepted by another Klingon who sees they have medical equipment and says, yeah, come with us. Just come with us with with uh, disruptors, whatever they have drawn. And Benga and Chapel go into the mines and as they're walking through the mines, Chapel says, well, I don't normally like caves, but I've never seen one this big before. And Mbenga says it's from decades of mining dilithium. And there in the shot is a full-size Federation starship. starship. I don't know about you. Have you been in a large cave? Like man-made cave? Yes. You you have to have columns every so often right. to support the roof. This had none of that. Well, it's it's the lattice of the crystallization of the dilithiums. They would have mined all that. I thought the same thing. It's like maybe dilithium's stronger. No, they would have mined all that out. Well, didn't you see all the columns outside? There's something that's lighter out there than, than yeah, they moved them all outdoors. Yeah, they're taking a lot of room down here. Get those out of How here. How are we supposed to build a starship in here? Get those out. Now, uh, before the show, uh, Gary and I were having a conversation about this starship because the starship is identified as Crossfield class. 
We've heard that before. Crossfield class is the class of ship that Discovery and the Glen were. If you look at the primary hull, the, the disc section, it is indeed that same configuration. The secondary hull, where the nacelles are and the, the, the body of the ship, that is not the same. Now, I had one theory about what was going on here, and Gary had a different theory. So my theory was that the Klingons, during the war, the Klingons got word of the discovery, and they wanted to get their hands on it. And they, there had been some people who had seen the ship. So the Federation leaked plans to a Crossfield-class ship, and the primary hull looked like the Discoveries, even though it didn't function the same and had no spore drive section and it just had laboratories and so forth in it. And this other nacelle section, which is totally unlike the Discovery. So it's just kind of like, oh, how clever of you to have gotten our plans for the Crossfield class ship that is the mysterious ship. Ooh, what will we ever do? He <laughs> he And they, they, they figure the Klingons are going to spend their time, waste their time trying to build one of these things. With the rubber band drive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they had plans for the ship and they built this ship in the caves. Gary has a different thought. Yeah. Now, my thought is that there's no way they're cobbling together enough resources and equipment to build a ship from scratch. It's just not going to happen. So my guess is that during the war, there were some holes that were blown up or destroyed and they went through a battlefield and scooped up maybe a primary hull and some other stuff to try and cobble together. And that's another reason they needed the Starfleet technology that they were trying to get from La'an was that they need all any Star Trek gear, Starfleet gear they can to rebuild the ship that they've, that they've, uh, that they're uh, salvaging, I guess you'd say. And, and I, I would have really liked that, that theory of it. If it weren't for the fact that it was a crossfield class, uh, you know, Primary health, the, the, the saucer section. Yeah. There were only two ships in that class, and we know what happened to both of them. Right? One was uh, were there? Were no. maybe? I see. I see. There was a secret one someplace. Well, eh, it could be that the could Scott. Be <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so they they find this thing. They go on board, and they're the reason they were called there is because they have to treat the Klingons who have this ion poisoning. They, they do that. And suddenly you start to get these, you've got it before in the episode already, but when Benga is talking to the Klingon, he's, he's working on, he ha Benga has to retell the story of where he was during the war on one of these planets where there was a giant battle. And he becomes very succinct and cold and when that's all done, Chapel's coming over and saying, are you, are you okay? <laughs> and he says he is, but she kind of knows this is a little too much that's going on with him right now to be surrounded well, by the stuff. addressing him by his first name, Joseph. You know, yeah. she's, so it definitely, it's a flag. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because clearly the, there's stuff going on. We find out that he always carries something with him that they're going to use in a minute. And so I think he definitely has some, some damage from being in the war that we weren't previously aware of. Mm -hmm. You know, he's got his own scars 
and that he carries with him from you know these things, including this this horrific battle where apparently the, there was so much blood afterwards that the sky was red. Um, but they realize that they have to get through to the Enterprise to tell them, hey, there's a ship here, and because Mbenga has already figured out what they're going to do with the ship. But they have to get to the bridge because maybe there's some equipment there to communicate. And of course, Chapel goes, they're just going to let us walk around and say, excuse me, can we use your stuff to make a call? And he pulls out the green stuff. Was that before or after that it launched? That was before. Okay. Because they, they they were in the... Right. I think it was supposed to be the sick bay. I'm not really sure treating the Klingon. And they inject themselves with this, I don't know exactly, we don't know exactly Green juice of some kind. And, yeah, and they really both, identified. there's a slow-mo drop. They both drop their hyposprays, but yet one, you, you watch the hyposprays empty on camera. They drop them in slow-mo and one full green vial hits the ground. That was but, the spare that was in there. That was the What, was, the what editing was that? <laughs> It looks better. That's why it's like, it looks better. The splash. <laughs> yeah. I, you might as well just drop a fully loaded coffee cup or something. It was a little bit that was in the top section, kind of drained back into the, the cylinder. Not that's it. it. That's Not it. Yeah, it. yeah, that's it. But adjust it for weight. You know, uh, you know, uh, Chapel is lighter, so she didn't need as much. Then it, you see their should... pupils, close up of pupils dilating. And we're going into full on. Like, with no shirts ripped open. I was expecting no. the Hulk. No, no, no. no, no you no. and me both, buddy. <laughs> but suddenly the stimulant is giving them the ability to just have at the Klingons as they try to battle their way towards the communications. Fun fight scenes. Ship. I got to admit, I enjoyed these fight scenes. Well, I, I, um, I cheated and watched um, the um, ready room and they mentioned how Mbanga's in real life is actually a, a jujitsu master. Oh, you weren't doing no jujitsu in those scenes. Jujitsu is yeah. a ground technique. Although he 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 was doing a couple of interesting moves. It was one where it looked like he was almost doing a, a karate chop. No double fist up. punch. Oh. No, but it's too close up to really see what he was doing. It was like in the, very much in the foreground, and you couldn't make out the entire action that was going on. I thought it was like a ha. Chapel did I was some. Watching this with my wife, and I, I, she mentioned how it was a good fight scene. I said, "Well, they can't rely on Kirk Fu forever." That's right. <laughs> I, I I swear, at one point, he he gave that Klingon an ear boxing, and he fell down. He did. He did. Yeah, yes. and and Chapel gave some good karate kicks. Mm-hmm. So they they battle their way through the ship. They they find a Klingon who refuses to give them any information until. Um, and Benga darn near gets, kills him. Really and gets carried Joseph, away. Joseph, yeah. he won't tell you anything if he's dead. I thought, this guy is the worst Klingon ever. He, you're supposed to die before you give up secrets. And he's like, oh, you want the access codes too? Deck 13, here's, deck 13. Here's my luggage combination. <laughs> well, somebody has to get dishonor or it wouldn't be a thing, you know? <laughs> so they do find a, a communications junction and they're able to, Benga uh, is able to, embed something into the the transponder but that's about all they can do and then they have to leave and they're the juice is running out for them uh, and they're trapped you, you in see, some kind of room with only an airlock yeah it, so this there's, there's so i think it's a it's um it's a ready room to before you go out the airlock because <laughs> it has an air, airlock on both sides so i think that's why 
they were expecting to find spacesuits possibly in ah. those lockers. But no, not well, they really. found parts of one. <laughs> they did. One part here, one part there. The rest are arriving on Tuesdays. But well, they had they had which previously. Is why I think it's salvaged. They wouldn't have put partial. They, well, but they, they they might have because all you want is to have is debris. Oh, you know. The first message debris. he sent out was actually a message in Morse two, whatever that is. Two enterprises says enterprise Morse. destroy this ship. It has emojis in it. That's why it's Morse two. It has emojis. <laughs> <laughs> Great! Now I got to learn code for a smiley face. Oh, geez. Poop, poop, poop! Oh, that's a mega. He loves that. <laughs> He's like a five-year-old. I don't know. Yeah. So, in the middle of all this, when they're trapped, the ship starts to rise. It's it's heading out of the caves, and we get that classic thing where Lon is going. Well, I don't know whatever they're going to be doing because the members of the the Broken Circle group have left, so I don't know exactly what's going to be happening. Q ship rising up behind her and taking off into the sky. But I notice she doesn't then report yeah. to the Enterprise, I just saw a Federation ship leave the surface. Yeah, they have to figure it out from the ship. Something's yeah, I... launched from the surface. It's a ship. And the Klingons have already arrived. Fortunately, the Enterprise is hiding in a debris field, so they are they are hidden from the ship. But the other ship notices that. I'm trying to figure out how did the other ship, the the false flagship, get into the was the the false flagship trying to do the same maneuver, go into the debris field and so surprise the Klingon? I ship, think that's how that was the there? idea. Yeah, yeah, okay. I think so. Yeah. All right. And it was a nice Klingon ship. We got a really nice view oh, of the of this D seven. Yep. It's a little rougher than the uh, TOS D sevens. Uh, you can so it's got that same sort of field difference that like uh, you know the Enterprise does right now. And we got a nice view of their uh, warp nacelle, and it sort of like pops. Oh, over it re- the, like retracted into a weapon. I thought that was yeah. beautiful. It had the little grill on the back, like the way the Enterprise warp uh, nacelles do. So yeah, very nice. Uh, you know tech geek at geeking out all right so the the spock and the crew of the enterprise have this false flagship in their sights they can destroy it before the klingon ship ever knows that it's there and spock is hesitating because he knows right chapel and mbenga are on board can't pull the trigger emotional suddenly he's something's overriding something else right and he's now he's thinking with his heart and not his head he really should have fired on the ship, yeah. and he didn't. He waited. His eyes are tearing up. His yeah. Really, yeah. But finally, he has to give the order because suddenly the Klingon ship has noticed everybody by this point, and he fires just as or just after. Now, this, this is a question about debris because just after Benga and Chapel have exited out into space. Did they get far enough away from the ship that they were not subject to be getting hit by debris? He said he said that the, the jetpack could propel him away from the ship. Yeah, their plan was to go away from the ship for, as soon as they got out anyway. So yeah. yeah, I don't know how fast a jetpack would, would take you, but okay, we'll we'll go with that. Maybe they're meant to save you if a ship's gonna explode. 
Yeah, maybe that'd, that'd be a good thing. You would, you would. Well, like it was that. like Spock when he had that emergency booster thing where he hit it with V'ger. Yeah, <laughs> you had to go to V'ger. And then when you're done with it, you just let it go. You don't worry about it after that. You just toss it off. All right. They were able to rescue Mbenga and Chapel, but Spock still being very emotional. And I thought this was odd. I don't know about you, but he's all concerned about. Nurse Chapel and Benga's just like lying there on his side, you know, like with frost all over his beard. Yeah, he's conscious. He'll be fine. Walk it off. Spock is trying to do CPR, saying, You will live. You will not die. You will not die. And Chapel opens her eyes. I I just noticed, Gary, you look like you're on the holodeck because the. The the zoom virtual background thing around your head yeah, looks like looks like your hollow emitters are having a flake. And I will work on a tech upgrade. You're not. Oh, you're not. A, oh, so disappointed. I feel like I feel like you know Ruoff has just discovered that he's on a. It's like pokes his hand into the hole. <laughs> Welcome to the Truman Show. Okay, back right. to the story. Okay, so the 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 Klingon captain is now very upset what's going on here. And he has his own spin on. Yeah. What happened you destroyed the ship. Cause both of you were trying to attack us and you failed. So you wanted to look like you're covering up your failure. And Spock is playing diplomat at this point going, why would I destroy a ship? He's working. He's trying to cover all his angles. So he's back into logical mode as best he can. And, and I thought this was an interesting path that this conversation took because the Klingon ca- commander he, he says, you know, well, you are, uh, I, I don't believe a man until I can look him in the eye in person. Do you drink blood wine? And Spock says, I've been known to indulge or whatever his and, exact words were. And I'm going, Vulcans don't drink alcohol. <laughs> you are a most unusual Vulcan. They keep hitting that note. Yeah, they keep hitting that note over and over. Yeah, yeah, the Vulcan who's unVulcan. This is not your normal Vulcan. So wasn't that the point of this episode? (laughs) I I feel like it was a little bit beaten over our heads, though. You know, one or two, maybe three, but right because Peleus says, "Oh, oh, you sweet unVulcan Vulcan." Vulcan." Yeah. So yeah, they 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 beam down to the planet. Spock and uh, what was his name? Chakoth or uh, uh, the, the, the Chuck? The, the Chuck? <laughs> no, no, not the Chuck. The Chuck. God bless you. They're bless they're you. they're whooping it up, and I love you know the Chuck goes Rah! and Spock <laughs> Spock's roar was sort of this half hearted <laughs> Not even an eyebrow or anything moved. I have <laughs> was, done the thing. It was so classic. <laughs> <laughs> he does it again a little bit later when they have refills. Well, you know, historically, his father's supposed to be an ambassador, so maybe you know, picked up a, a, a trick or two. Well, and he way. ends up an ambassador later, so maybe this is a bit yeah, of foreshadowing. True. Indeed, much, much in the future. Yeah. Uh, yeah so uh, we see that uh, Luan is considering what her future is going to hold, and clearly, her future is going to be going back to the Enterprise, and. Uh, Pelia makes it known that uh, she's, she's going to be hanging around to... too. <laughs> One drink of wine and you're getting personal. 
That's how it is, huh? I love this character. Yeah, I I expect a lot of great character moments out of her as the season goes on. Yeah. All right. And, of course, now the axe is going to fall on Spock because he stole the Enterprise against orders. He could have started a war. He could have restarted the whole war with what he was doing. If you could lower your volume of your voice, please. Are you hungover? Do you have a hangover, Spock? <laughs> Diplomacy, co- Diplomacy comes at a price, I guess. That was that was priceless right there. And April says, well, consider that your punishment. Right. Next time, this, this is what we get the next time. It'll be your be your command, you know. And I, 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 I'm not, I, I don't understand Federation policy with starship theft. It, it seems to, to waffle all over the place as far as implications. It helps. We find out, we find out why though he gets let off on this one. No, I know. Right. So at least, at least this one is not just a, oh, he's a buddy of mine type of thing. It's, it's like the Sherman he, Antitrust Act. Someone had to ruin it for the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. Don't ever steal the enterprise. And again. insider <laughs> trading and all that stuff. <laughs> uh, we find out that uh, Commodore Tafune and uh, April are discussing the upcoming threat. And we see flashing on the screen. Well, I said, you kind of went easy on him. Yeah. And because he, he needs to hang, he needs all the good officers. Right. He can get. And April says he just uh, potentially prevented a war on two fronts. He's like, oh. And right. then, yeah, first you... thought it's like Romulans, perhaps. That's no, what I thought at first, warm. too. Then they, they, yeah, they go to that. Uh, sort of heads up radar display, whatever it was. And they went unidentified object coming in. Gorn, Gorn. So. Although how a, a single Gorn ship, it means a whole second front of a war. wasn't made clear to us. Scout ship. Well, it's possible because they already knew about it. This would not be the first time this had happened. Uh, I, that's my guess. So my overall thought was great storyline, but I think they're starting to arc more than they intended wasn't the whole point that this was going to be very episodic and you could jump in now they're bringing in a larger arc they they start this was a setup show for something a a whole lot of something well certainly get we got a a setup for another gorn encounter which we know is coming later this season um and we have they can do setup without stretching it through four or five episodes. They could give us this teaser and then four episodes down the line have us. That's have true. And they have uh, been known right. to do that. They'll they'll take something that's, you know, what was it, one or two episodes last season that were very lighthearted going, okay, there's a little more levity, a bit more upbeat or a bit more personal. You know, hey, let's have Spock and T'Pring swap bodies or something. Yeah. So, okay. Okay. So it, it I just, I, I got done with this one going, Oh, strap in, boys. We're in for a long well, season. I, know. We, I mean, we have we have Una. We have this plot line, too, still stringing along. And I, I see your point and and versus their their thing that it was going to be episodic. But uh, hopefully maybe they're just point points along the way and not a full arc. Yeah, I get a, I get a sense that several of them are just this idea that if something happens in episode X, you you just don't have total memory loss in the next episode. And they'll and always do the previously on Strange New Worlds to spotlight right. those at the beginning of an episode if they need to make a callback. Right. So you have those elements, which they see is that's that's kind of their take on, yes, it's episodic for the adventure that's going on in that episode, but the characters live from episode to episode. 
Mm-hmm. And so some of the things that are happening to particular characters may take a while to work through, or, you know, you need a resolution for that a little bit later on, maybe, maybe five episodes later, suddenly, Oh, right. So that, that thing was going on there type of thing. So, yeah, I don't, I don't mind it if it doesn't become the plot. If it, if it stays as just a background character building elements, that's fine. All right, but now comes the tar- part where we um, get to rate this one. So I'm going to say we're going to rate it on antimatter detonator. Oh, that's a good one. I was, oh, yeah. I was looking for that as well. All right, so I'm going to have our guest go first. One to ten antimatter detonators for the broken circle. Um, I'm going to go with eight and a half. Um. I thought this was a solid episode. They moved a lot of plot lines along. Um, I enjoyed the introduction of the new character uh, immensely. I loved <laughs> the interaction between um, Mbenga and Chapel was just phenomenal. Um, but like you said, there were some questions about this whole movement of, uh, to start the war up again that I, I would have liked to see some more uh, information on. Why are there always these plots in Starfleet? <laughs> um, and um, this whole, I mean, it just, it seemed a little too neat for this handoff for uh, dilithium <laughs> in real life. But uh, other than that, it was a pretty good story. And the fight, while fun, was still a little hokey that they got this miracles miracle serum that we don't know anything about. And then they're each able to fight off 10 Klingons apiece. It's just. That's it exactly too- what it was. It was Mirakuru. Which almost sounds kind of Star Trek-ish. Well, at least it wasn't Ketracel White, but um, no, I, no, uh, yeah, or I, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did enjoy though, as it's wearing off, and Chapel says wearing off. One, one of the times she goes to you know wail on the Klingon, she goes, "Ow!" <laughs> you know, yeah. worn out to the point where she's like, she's actually feeling the punches that she's throwing. So I thought that was fun. Uh, I am also going to give it an eight point five. I think for a lot of the same reasons that it the story moved along. Mm-hmm. And we didn't get uh, any great major plot. We I, I feel like we got a, a season opener type of plot that said, here's the things that were continuing that are going to continue. And here are the things we're wrapping up. Like you know, Lon's, you know, side quest is over. She'll be back on the ship, presumably, you know, in next episode and so forth. Um, I felt like the story was, serviceable but it was really more about this was more of a character piece um and including the new characters we were getting introduced to so i i I very much appreciate that i feel like that is also part of the setup that okay we're on we're already up and running with pelia it's like we don't have to we we want to know more about her we want to know you know about somebody who lives basically lives forever it's a long but, story and, oh we didn't we didn't touch on that because she had a very touching moment with spock at the end she says you know what the problem is with living virtually forever he said experiencing the loss of the ones you love no no anything with a half a heart experiences that you know being alive no it's Boredom. boredom. <laughs> yeah. Just like you. There's <laughs> a lack. There's a lack of boredom on this ship. <laughs> I'm in. So essentially she's saying, yeah, I, I like this ship. I, I like the fact that he went to the emotional response too, experiencing yeah. the loss of the ones you love. But she said, no, 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 no. That's the easy answer. 
So uh, 8.5 for me as well. Uh, Chuck, I'll let you have your drink there first. I, I'm i going to go with 8.5 also. I, I agree with you on all points. It's great to have the show back. I, it was. It, it feels like it's been forever since we saw the, the first season. I should have gone back and watched the first season. Uh, and for whatever reason, my Paramount app wants to throw me back into the first season when I say, watch the latest. And up comes like episode 10. I'm in. Yeah, I'm you're in not a... the only one. It happened to me this morning as well. The first time I went to play. Paramount oh. app sucks. But I'm as sorry. a side note, there are now um, avatars for Brave New Worlds on Paramount+. Plus. I'm sticking with Boimler. Ah! <laughs> oh, I have to change mine. Mine looks like this green guy made out of goo. So, and, oh, yeah, uh, that's the default one. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, and Donna's is Susie from Rugrats. We haven't changed them since they started. <laughs> Got to collect them all. All right, that's our review and uh, ratings on this episode. If you have a different opinion about it, please let us know. You can leave a note for us over on our Facebook page uh, for The Topic is Trek, and we'll be happy to read your comments on that. But now it's time to come back from our, our main mission with an appropriate sound effect. The subterranean elevator. Short. I thought it was uh, those, the cells, they weren't completely full of their, you know, recovered from the venting they were doing. Oh, we need more deuterium and, on deck three. And to go to our warp speed round table with an appropriate sound effect. Oh, we need another one. Yeah. How about a, uh, Here's one. Let's wrap this up, shall we? <laughs> no, that's no. <laughs> We're not there me, yet. <laughs> as someone once said, give me back my show. Uh, uh, how about this one? We have an imposter aboard. Oh, that would be Gary. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but let's get to the Warp Speed Roundtable question. So back in December of 2020, which feels like three lifetimes ago, even if you are a length. length Lanthanite? Lanthanite. We uh, asked, if you were the captain of the Discovery, what would your catchphrase be? Because that's, I believe, when uh, you had um, Saru trying to come up with what his catchphrase was right. going to be for the captain's chair. Um, but now we've got a whole bunch of other shows and so forth that have, that have premiered. So question this time is, if you were the captain of a Federation starship, anyone, what word or phrase would you use to order the ship to warp speed. And I'll give you some examples. Obviously, you could choose from <laughs> engage or let's fly or warp me, punch it, hit it, or carry on, which is what Saru came up with, or anything else that you want to have as when you sit in that chair and everyone's looking at you, what would you say? Release the hounds. <laughs> well, we'll we'll get you in a second. So Gary, once again, you're the guest. What would you yeah. like to have as your catchphrase? Uh, it's it's a military phrase, and I, I've used it uh, with my uh, Boy Scouts troops when we're hiking and stuff like that, and it's time to get moving. And it's it's Oscar Mike for on the move. So my, that would be my you know my thing would be Oscar Mike, meaning you know let's go and we're on the move. Ah, I like that. Very yeah. very military on that. Yeah, that's, that's like too military for my for me, man. Um, it's like it's I a know derivative. We're not a military organization, but <laughs> but we are at the same time. So yes. there you go. Uh, I have a very simple one. I would just say drive. Just just go. You know. Yeah. 
I I had I had one earlier today, but the more I thought about it, the more I went with the second one. So the first one that I came up with was Rocket. Okay, see how that kind of has a throwback connotation to it. Like, is that one word or two, Chuck? Ah, see, that's the part you got to figure out. But I oh. I jettisoned that one in favor of I like to move it, move it. I like to. <laughs> wow. Madagascar. Why did it have to be Madagascar? I think I'm stealing the rocket. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. yeah although if they get the wrong if they get the wrong meaning of it, you can just see like Ortega's going. Where am I going to find a rocket? <laughs> I don't think that's going to work. But okay. I, I just want to see everybody's heads bow and shake every time they would say, "Oh God, we got to go to warp." He's going to sing that song again, isn't he? <laughs> oh please no not again they all, they all put on big headphones <laughs> on that note it's time to refill the dilithium chamber and try to warp on out of here so you can find me Clinton at comedy forecast all one word with the number four dot com you can also find me on Instagram and Facebook and MeWe and Twitter and um I guess a rocket that's going by. You can also find me on that as well. And uh, I won't ask who speaks for you, Chuck, because <laughs> oh, I be think it's you. <laughs> you can find us by searching for Technorama Podcast anywhere you find. Find search engines or artificial intelligence or whatever they look for. Just say, I want Technorama Podcast. And you'll find it at chuckchat.com slash Technorama. Excellent. All right. Time to hit the theme, boys. Uh, oh, no. wait, first, Gary, Gary. Do you have anything you want to plug? Not at this time, sir. Sorry. Just glad to be here. Thanks for having thank me. Thank you. Yes. Fun. Thank you. Thank you very much. Pleasure yeah. to have you here and hope hope it happens again. Even, even when Craig is here, we always room for one more. As you can see, there's a table behind us in the ready room. Plenty of seating available. All right. Now it's time to hit the theme. If you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend about it and subscribe so you never miss an episode. We'd love to hear from you. Follow us on Twitter at The Topic is Trek. Visit our Facebook page or visit thetopicistrek.com. Until next time, on behalf of Chuck, Gary, and myself, I'm Clinton, thanking you for listening. And as we always say here on The Topic is Trek, don't, don't put on, on red, red shirt. shirt.